When you need your work truck to work as hard as you do, trust Delphi Technologies to deliver the parts built for the toughest work environments. From construction sites to long distance hauling, go with the aftermarket supplier known for its 100 plus years of OE heritage and expertise. Go to DelphiAftermarket.com today. and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ross. Uh, it's my great pleasure today to have with me the uh, soon-to-be, uh, yes, incoming chair of the Automotive Industries Association of Canada, Shannon Spano. Now, Shannon is uh, VP Sales, you'll probably correct me on that, uh, with Wakefield Canada, who uh, brings us Castrol product in Canada, as well as some other things. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Shannon. Thanks so much, Andrew. Great to be here. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I gave the probably briefest intro uh, possible to at least uh, locate you in the world here, but uh, who is Shannon Spano and, you know, uh, how did you end up in the aftermarket? Oh, that's a big question. I'll do my best to condense my story and make it fun. Um, I uh, found the aftermarket, or the aftermarket found me, that's my story. I I graduated from Queens and kind of started into... um, the telecommunications industry, and I worked for an entrepreneurial company uh, that was very culturally around being more, you know, be part of something bigger, you know, real growth mindset. And then we were bought by a corporation. And so that cultural change that happened in the organization, I didn't feel as empowered, as inspired. Um, And I was really on a, you know, growth trajectory in my career. So I was looking to the industry agnostic and find a company that I could really identify my values with. And Wakefield came out um, shining. I met with so many people that were just so par- so uh, inspired by the brand, uh, you know, being a privately owned, Canadian-owned success story um, with Wakefield and what they had done in the Canadian marketplace and their customer-centric approach uh, to really developing their future. I just was immediately drawn to it. I um, have worked in the industry for 16 years in a variety of roles with Wakefield, um, and it's been a journey, but I, the more that I learn, I'm like a sponge. I just want to keep learning about what a great, fascinating network of people and uh, a really inspiring industry to be part of. So, Yeah, I mean, with, uh, and, and uh, you know, I guess I, you know, I'm kind of compelled to ask uh, a little bit of the kind of diversity, equity, and inclusion question, because we just have, as we're recording this, uh, International Women's Day is just barely in our rearview mirror. The rearview mirror, of course, having been invented by a woman, I might add. So look it up; <laughs> it checks out. Um, and and uh, you are, uh, you know, coming into the role as the chair of the AIA, not the first, but actually the second woman to hold that position. Which, I mean, to my mind, it says something uh, that we're not we've gone past the initial, and now we're going into the uh, uh, second, anyway. Um, but what, what, uh, from your perspective, I mean, how do you look at that? I mean, is it, does that mean anything to you? Is it, is it uh, uh, make you comfortable, uncomfortable? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Great question. Um, I'm honored. I'm honored. I'm inspired. I, you know, Susan Hitchin, who was the first chair um, through the pandemic, of all things, uh, to me was such a shining example of leadership, uh, especially through such a chaotic and you know tumultuous time for the industry. Um, I'm really great to be here. I have a, a big agenda to talk about DEI in a more deliberate, braver, bolder, more direct conversations with people and members of the AIA. Um, and I think it's time. I, I I've always believed that um, you know even in my own career, it was difficult for me to see 
myself growing because I didn't have a mirror or someone that looked like me in higher positions or in, you know, even in sales, a woman in sales um, in this industry. And so I realized to be an authentic voice, um, that's part of it. And then just building connections with people. I've had great mentorship from men and women in my career. And I know that that's the future of a DEI centric agenda is just to create, you know, good conversations with diverse people um, and create a really equitable and inclusive environment to thrive in. Um, so yes, absolutely. It's going to be a big part of my, uh, the next year of my uh, time in chair, I, I want to make sure that that's uh, really front and center. That's awesome. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm sure down the road we'll have the opportunity to kind of dig more into some of those things. I'm looking forward to hear, to seeing, you know, what you do. I mean, well, we won't get into it too much now because I mean, we got to leave something for uh, <laughs> when you actually in the job. Right. So, uh, um, but I mean, you've, you know, you, you, uh, outside of, you know, the automotive aftermarket, you have a lot of experience within the automotive aftermarket. You have a lot of experience, but you know, where is that? Uh, uh, do you see that that's prepared you for, I mean, we're coming out of kind of the worst of the impacts of the pandemic and the aftermarket has fared pretty well, I think, uh, certainly compared to some other sectors of the economy and some other industries, but, but how do you feel that it, that your experience in particular has prepared you uh, for, for success in both your new role as both, uh, you know, succeeding in, in the aftermarket? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think the last few years has tested us in so many ways. And so this fight or flight and resilience that we kind of really adopted early on because we had such an uncertain reality and then, inflation and supply chain disruption and all the things that all of, you know, whether it be a supplier or our customers or anyone that coexists in the industry has faced, um, you know, it's tested us in many ways and the skills we've developed or really prospered with, I think are going to help us in the future as there's going to be more change, disruption, consolidation. Um, you know, what I've realized is we used to, you know, I used to think because I came from a telecommunications industry, which is changing so fast, the relationships don't matter as much, but it's always about the next rate plan, the next change. And now I, and then I worked in the aftermarket and I've always said it's more like a chess game, right? It's, it's about longer wavelength conversations and strategic relationships and moves that kind of take more time and, and adapt. Um, the pace has changed, absolutely. Um, but the strategy is still is still clear in my mind, uh, my mind at least. And I think, you know, the, the last few years has really taught us that um, the strongest organizations will survive with the strongest um, cultures and, and, you know, people coming, the, you know, attracting great talent is going to be really important for us as a, as a future as well. Sure. Sure. I mean, what is, a, you know, uh, from, from, you know, again, it's moving faster. Yeah. There's, there's other relationships. There's certainly some degree of... Uh, I'm, I'm going to say consolidation of relationships yeah. and partners to some yeah. extent, but also I see it also in other ways because of supply chain issues. You know, there's there's uh, elements of expanding and broadening uh, relationships and strategic partnerships to ensure security of supply. You know, these are all things at the industry level. But, you know, what particular challenges does that uh, this environment present for the Automotive Industries Association of Canada? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think like EV is a great example, like just um, access to great training, um, you know, right to repair agenda is obviously at the forefront right now is making sure that technicians and uh, ASBs are empowered to service the cars that are on the road, um, both today and, and in the future. Um, you know, attracting, retaining the talent. Um, we're doing some labor studies at the AI right now just to understand um, is you know how attractive is the industry for people to both stay, come to and stay in, um, and then I think again I would just say that um, 
the companies that seem to be most well-positioned or organizations that are well-positioned for success are the ones that have a very strong foothold of customers and a strong uh, you know, data model um, that can kind of pivot quickly um, as we're moving more to digital transformation as well. People will obviously be a big part of the industry, um, but the, the companies that can move faster right now seem to be winning. And uh, again, I think consumers are empowered. I mean, that's that's the reality right now is playing to what consumers value, right? Um, uh, so just being, you know, kind of highly in tune to that will really help companies succeed, I think, in the future as well. Mm-hmm. Aside from, you know, the, the you know, well, I'll consider at least in a longer term an area of vulnerability uh, on the right to repair front. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm very hopeful because we've seen good progress there, but I still think it's a, uh, you, know, you know, everybody might agree that it is a certainly an ex- ex- not an existential threat. Maybe is overstating it, yeah. but it's certainly a big threat to the aftermarket. If if we if we can't actually get access continuing, it could be a big problem for a lot of folks. You know, um, but but are there other areas of vulnerability for the automotive aftermarket in this changing environment that you think uh, you know could be addressed and, and that the AIA might be able to uh, lend a hand to? Yeah, I think you know. Um, maybe I'm talking too broadly, but I, I think um, industries, the industry at whole is doesn't have the same cert- certain future, right? Think about 10 years ago um, where versus where we need now, right? So historical data isn't going to help us as much as insights um, and pulses on the various things that we collectively are facing. And so I do think AI provides a really strong bridge um, to research development insights um, that can really flow and harmonize conversations about you know, future building organizations. Um, so I, I think that's number one. Uh, obviously, the lobbying is really important, government relations and networking. And so just connecting people, um, again, through times of change. Um, I, I've always thought that my career really thrived when I got through AIA and actually started to becoming more of a volunteer versus a participant. Um, just understanding kind of what other companies or other organizations are facing and what people are facing in their roles. Um, just gives you so much more breadth um, and depth in terms of your thoughts and leadership on how you apply that to your own organization. Um, so I think AI can do a great job to just the future state of networking um, and, and you know, industry alignment. Um, I, that's why I love this industry is that you, we have a lot of people that are competing in it, but we kind of collectively work on, on a greater good agenda. And so, um, and I, I think the other thing is just, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of challenges with supply and pricing and margin management and, you know, just any, any industry is going through those disruptive times. So, um, again, just smarter ways to do business um, and potentially new partnerships will, will emerge through that. And so I agree with you about relationships that are strategic today. It could look differently in the future, um, but I think there's a place for all, all of us to go to for sure. You made a very interesting comment that historical data isn't going to help us yeah. as much as 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 insights and and uh, uh, you maybe just I want to ask you to just dig into that just a, a little yeah. bit. I mean, uh, we see technological shifts going on uh, at least um, in the headlines. I mean, I think the cars on the road, it, you know, that thing always takes longer, right? The vehicles in operation, and we're of course I'm talking about EVs and plug-in hybrids and all of this stuff. It, it's all coming you know, there's, that's one area. So, you know, historical data, uh, I don't know. Everybody's like, Oh, you know, you have sort of two camps. One, you know, it's all changed <laughs> almost in the past. tense. So I look out on the road at, outside and I'm like, no, not yet. Um, but it is changing. Right. Um, and that's just one example. Uh, it, you know, 
and you know, so, so how extreme is yeah. it that historical data is not going to be, yeah. you know, something to rely on? I a guess a little bit of a true. mindset. So I, I maybe I'm speaking in two lenses, right? So I do think you're right. There's a conservative and aggressive view about disruption um, and the future state of industry health, whether it be me selling lubricants and someone else selling parts, sell it somebody else as a jobber, um, right? All of us are going to thinking what what is our future health state? And I, I think there's a, a conservative and aggressive view to that. I think where I was talking about it, um, historical insights or data is, um, and I have this line that I use in leadership because I think it kind of applies to how we use data, right? A lot of companies rely on what the trend is our friend or we look behind and we look at, you know, whether it be a, a P&L or, you know, historical performance and we say, okay, that's going to be our continuing. Um, what is coming through though is that it's the insights you gather on what to do with it. Um, that is leadership to me, the presence of leadership and where you want to put energy in your own business um, and, and to win. And so I use this line around, um, you know, data, or insights without data is trivial. Insights without action is pointless. And so I guess my point about this whole thing is about just connecting that data alone will not solve our problems. It's the insights translated into action that so will actually future-proof organizations, right? And so that to me is where you want to put more energy in. And so companies to spend so much time insight generating when, a, when an association like AIA can actually facilitate a lot of those insight generated conversations and leadership decisions. That's where I think, you know, where, where AI can be really powerful for us as a, as an industry. Right. Right. And again, it gets to the core of speaking more strategically yes, to yes. issues, right? Yes, so, yes. yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, this is where I just kind of go on talk here, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I had somebody, I had a conversation with somebody, uh, you know, last fall talking about there are different product lines, yeah. you know, and they were sort of saying, well, these are the ones that sell our most stuff. I don't want to really invest a lot of, they were talking marketing dollars in those because those work. I'd like to be able to get marketing dollars in, in that context of that conversation for these other levels of product that the industry isn't aware of. And that's a training issue. It's, uh, uh, you know, product launching it's as much as it's not maybe, you know, an amazing, uh, you know, uh, exciting kind of thing to talk about. This is the nuts and bolts of what makes the industry go. People, you got to tell people what you got. That's right. You got to engineer the new products and you've got to get people to understand what they are, right? Um, and getting those internal pieces in place to say, well, I know product A, I'm going to take some resources from you. You've been a great friend to ours and a great service to our bottom line, but we got to take some of what you're giving us and invest it. Is that kind of where it's at? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, there's, I kind of, I equate it to our, just like my company, um, we are taking, we want to use our people to do the best possible time, you know, return on time and return on investment, right? So relationships and best conversations, we don't need them delivering checks. We don't need them running around, you know, this and that. It's, a, it's just resource efficiency, right? And then you, when you do that and you can find simpler ways to work and letting data or digital transformation help you more, um, that's where I think magic happens, right? So I know a lot of companies are doing that digital transformation footprint and the role of print versus digital and the role of how do we create awareness and cataloging and all those pieces that are just so critical to, to make, making information flow and people feeling empowered to make decisions. That's really, I think, where you know, a lot of the energy is being spent right now. Right. And, and I mean, we talked a little bit about how much of this, I mean, AIA is certainly involved on the on, on this on the training side, uh, you know, and getting the uh, awareness and training as well as each individual organization. Um, and this is kind of steps away from just the specifics of coming in as the chair of the AIA. 
but where you know how critical is the role to help or helping you know the ASPs understand what they need to do to be effective not get left behind but like to be yeah. effective yeah. and reasonable in their transition I mean Absolutely. I, I think you always want to talk business language, right? Um, it's, it's, you know, it, it's not the product I sell. It's what it can do for your business, right? I want to make it, uh, you know, we, we, we want to make you save money and, and grow your revenue, right? We want to make you more efficient or effective in a business model. I think that's the role of, at least on the supplier side, I think that's what we all play. And, um, and I would say, again, that's the market, right? That's the, the industry at large. Um, mindset shifting is hard right it's 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 a you know there's a psychological piece to this whole thing right i did it my way i've done it this way for so long it works uh, versus something new and so you know that's the, the leap of faith that companies and people have to take is is just looking at business differently and looking at um potentially taking best practices right that you've seen um across uh it's, it's a lot of energy spent on that on the human the human side of business leadership right or change management so Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and uh, where where in all of this do you see, uh, you know, again, I can bring this back sort of to a bit to the right to repair, because the right to repair issue and access to information isn't exactly brand new. No. And, and, you know, often when I'm in conversations with with shops, they'll say, oh, well, you know, we have our network, we have our own personal network and our resources and we call, you know, our friends at the dealer or this or that, and we're able to work it out and get what we need. Um, but the future looks very different um from my estimation is 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 is, is that an accurate uh, assessment that something's really changing and those resources are unlikely to be uh reliable down the future and is that why the aia needs to really succeed in in the initiatives yeah i i yeah i, I think there's probably a different group of people that feel different like there's differences in thoughts right which is why i think that's again why that dei agenda is so important is that diverse thinking is going to be really helpful i think you know we think about the um I think AIA and myself in Wakefield were kind of thinking similarly about membership value, right? And whether where you are in that supply chain, you need different things. Potentially, your value means different things. Um, I do think, yeah, it's it's changing, and there's going to be. Um, it's really about accessibility and trans transparency. I think it's going to be key, um, and enablement happens through reception of, you know, the the thought, right? Is is I understand it. I'm, I'm empowered. I understand what I need to do, and I apply it. So, yeah, there's. Um, it's it's good. It, I think it's a, a time where connections and relationships are going to be really more important than ever. Um, but they might be looking differently, and they might need to adapt. And um, that's you know that's the value of people working with people, right? Perfect. Well, that's a, a great note to end on about partnerships and, and going forward. I'm sure we're going to see more on that uh, as you kind of settle into the chair, as it were. Uh, <laughs> uh, we should someday, someday we should actually get a, an official chair, you know. Uh, yeah, thank you for calling me chair. I'm not chairwoman or chairman. I'm just chair. So thank you so much. I prefer, I prefer, I prefer it. Yeah, uh, thank uh, you. That's just, that's, just me. that's just me being, uh, I, I don't know, unilateral and making yeah, it executive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, that's great. Thank you so much for joining me, Shannon. I uh, really appreciate it. I look forward to the next year and a bit uh, with you at the, in the role with the Automotive Industries Association of Canada. Certainly a pivotal year ahead, I think, for Right to Repair and other activities for the AIA. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us today, and uh, we'll talk to you all again soon. Thanks so much, listening to the Great Canadian Aftermarket Podcast. 
Brought to you by the publishers of Indie Garage and Jobber Nation. Connect with us online at IndieGarage.ca and JobberNation.ca. A brand of Chat Integrated Media. Pothole damage to a vehicle's chassis is always a concern, no matter the size or time of year. If the worst does happen, you can count on Delphi Technologies steering and suspension parts to get your customers back on the road again. Learn more at DelphiAftermarket.com.